So as I said earlier, my name is Mitchell Ross. I am honored to be here with you guys once again this morning. I'm the communications manager for Charter Oak Church. Uh, for those of you who were not here with me when I spoke last month in June, I shared about, a little bit about my family. Uh, my wife, Lauren, and I have two wonderful kids, and we call Greensburg our home. Uh, Sophia and Jude, I put them up here on the screen now. Uh, there's a recent picture of those goofy little kids at uh, Idlewild, one of our favorite places. Uh, we go there quite often. So with uh, three-year-old Sophia and one-year-old Jude, our life is full of Band-Aids and snacks, but we are definitely blessed uh, with those two. So as Pastor Ben has been speaking this whole summer, this summer at Charter Oak Church, we are studying the book of First John. And today actually marks the halfway point of the march through First John. We've done six weeks so far. We have today, we'll, we'll get into a good portion of chapter three, uh, and then six more weeks to follow after this for the rest of the book. And last time I was here with you in June, about five weeks ago, we talked about what it means to be walking in the light, to daily walk in God's word and let his light guide our paths. And really, that's the reason why, as a church family, we're taking this summer to study one book, First John, walk through it verse by verse, because not a lot of Christians are in the habit of reading and even studying God's Word. Uh, I know it's even tough for me. Honestly, I work for a church, and it doesn't make it any easier uh, for me to daily set aside time to read God's Word. It's difficult for that uninterrupted time, but it's important. Uh, but let's get into God's Word today and spend the next 20 minutes or so just looking at what He has for us and give God your attention. After all, it is His Word that can truly change our lives. So follow along with me today. If you have a, a hard copy of the Bible, follow along. Even take notes in it if you're able to. Uh, it will help you stay engaged and connected uh, with what God has for us. So a little bit about this book before we get into today's passage. I think if you look over those first uh, couple chapters and into chapter three like we got last week, uh, I think you'll find a common denominator between all these verses so far is that John, is the writer of the book, is pretty blunt. He's just a guy who's telling readers not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. And I appreciate that. John lived in a world 2,000 years ago that was a lot of confusion around what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And it's amazing, 2,000 years later, John's, John's words ring true today in our lives uh, about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Just as much as they did back then, we can learn from the words here in 1 John. And every time I read something in this book of 1 John, uh, I think that I, when I think to myself, man, John, that's a little bit harsh. Uh, it's easy to think, you know, man, I wish John would say, uh, be a little bit nicer about this or about that. But as soon as I think that, I have to remind myself, it's because we live in this world of gray. What do I mean by that? It's that, think about this. Our culture thinks of everything, uh, truth is on a spectrum. Uh, and that means everything is subjective. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Uh, there's no black and white. It's all gray. So when we read a book like 1 John, it's a little bit of a shock to our system. In fact, reading the Bible in general can be a shock to our system because unlike the world, unlike our culture, God deals with absolutes. And whether you believe it or not today, God's word is absolute truth. Another way to say it is what's written on the screen. In a shades of gray culture, there exists a black and white faith where you and I are faced with a choice to decide which side we are on. 
If you remember last week, this is actually how Pastor Ben ended the message. He was in 1 John chapter 3, and here's what verse 10 said that he ended with. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So that's how we ended with this choice that we're facing last week. And what is that choice? Well, we're going to talk about that today. But simply put, the choice is this. It's a choice between love and hate. And it's a black and white choice. There's no gray. And every single person in the room today must make a choice. So let's jump into our reading. We're going to read right where we left off. 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 11. And if you're writing in your Bible, every time you see the word love, you can circle it. Okay, let's read starting in verse 11 of 1 John chapter 3. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or in speech, but with actions and in truth. So right away, when we read verses 11 through 18 of 1 John, or even just the first verse, verse 11 of our passage today, we are faced with a choice, and John boldly tells us what our choice should be. What does he say back in verse 11? We should love one another. All right, that's it. That's the message today. Let's, nope. Okay, obviously it's a little bit more complicated than that. What does it mean to love one another? Well, it's difficult to live the way God calls us to live. I know that. Because we're called to live differently from the world. Even when he calls us to love each other, we have to be careful. Because that word love is different than a lot of us in, in, in our culture and a lot of us in the world define love today. We must define love as God defines love. So let's do that today. If you're taking notes in your Bible, again, you can circle even that whole phrase, love one another, from verse 11. Obviously, this isn't the first time that God talks about love in the Bible. So in the margins there, let's write some references. Really, you could write any reference to love that you can think about, uh, but I'll help you with a couple. How about the most Google verse of all time? John 3, 16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Or how about Matthew chapter 2, verses 37 through 39. Jesus replied, love the Lord God, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, honestly, we could be here all morning just reading verses from the Bible about love. And the Bible talks a lot about it. And I think that tells us it's a pretty important topic to God. 
But let's get back into the passage for 1 John chapter 3. Uh, and what's the next thing? What's the very next thing that God says after he tells us, uh, after John writes, love one another? Well, let's look at verse 12. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Okay? Don't murder. Got it. But it goes deeper than that, of course. The story of Cain and Abel was written in Genesis chapter 4. Uh, you can note that, too, in the margin of the Bible next to 1 John chapter 3, Genesis chapter 4. If you'd love to read that later on, I re- would encourage you to do that because the story of Cain and Abel is a really interesting story. But in short, the story is about two brothers who both gave offerings to God. Abel gave his absolute best to God. Cain did not give his best. And when God simply pointed that out to Cain, Cain got defensive and angry and killed his brother Abel. So there we see that choice that we're talking about today, love or hate, Cain or Abel. Who are you today in that story? You see, the thing is, Cain wasn't an evil person. He wasn't a bad guy, at least not until he killed his brother, Uh, but he presented offerings to God. He loved God, but the problem was he loved God like many of us in the world would use that word love today. We, use, we toss that word love around all the time. We might say things like, oh, I love that band. Or you might say, oh, I love your outfit. I might say, oh, I love that show Stranger Things. Or my wife might say, I love Olive Garden. It's a bunch of, of casual uses of the word love. But the thing is, when we use love in such a casual way, it's just like Cain's type of love. It's not consistent. It's not always there. You might not really love every song that that band puts out. You might not love every outfit your friend wears. I might not love every episode of that show. And I know for a fact that there was one day at Olive Garden where they were out of lettuce for my wife's salad, and she certainly would not say that day that she loved Olive Garden. So it's depending on how things go. So goes our love. Shades of gray, just like Cain. And as a side note, it is so easy to be a Cain-type Christian. Our love for God often depends upon what's going on in our lives. Friends, today, don't be a Cain-type Christian. Let's be able-type Christians who love God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength. So obviously today, this conversation centers around love. But listen to what the next verse says. Let's look at verse 13. It really starts to get interesting here. 1 John 3, verse 13 says, Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. That's not very nice. If we're called to love God and love others, and we're actually doing it, why would the world hate us? Well, put a little asterisk next to that verse if you're taking notes, and write the reference of John 15, 18, and 19. John chapter 15, verse 18 and 19, where Jesus says this, if the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. How can the world hate Jesus? How can the world hate us if we're really doing what Jesus tells us to do? Well, the next verse, John 15, 19, gives us the answer. John 15, 19 says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Simply put, it's because we're different. At least we're supposed to be. We're supposed to live differently. We're supposed to love differently. 
Remember, God's understanding of that word love is completely different than the world's understanding of the word love. So remember that as we press on to these next few verses. Back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. We know that we have passed from death to life because, there it is again, circle that phrase, we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. There's John being blunt again, and those verses can be a shock to the system. I mean, we know we're not supposed to hate others, right? But it's not the same as murder, is it? You know, I'm a huge Pittsburgh Penguins fan, and I always would, growing up, I would always say, I hate the Philadelphia Flyers. That's a rival. Nothing good about them. But according to what John is saying here, when I have that hate in my heart, even for a hockey team, it's just the same as murder. Yikes. But John wasn't the first to equate hate with murder. Do you know who it was? Jesus. That's right. Let's read, let's, you can write Matthew 5, 21 and 22 in the margin of your Bible there. And now let's go back and read that when Jesus equates hate with murder. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, in a shades of gray world, Jesus invites us to live differently. Are you starting to get it? I hope so. And you might say, Mitchell, I get it. I'm not a hateful person. Love God, love others. Got it. Pretty simple. But as followers of Jesus today, it's more than that. Listen to this. We are not only called to love, but to love as Jesus loved. That's where it gets difficult. But that's where life change can truly happen. And what does that mean, love as Jesus loved? How did Jesus love? Well, we see from Romans 5 or 8, where it says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And when we accept his gift of salvation, we become a new creation. Before we come to Jesus, we have no idea how to truly love others. But when we accept him into our hearts, into our lives, and we have a personal relationship with him, now we can start to love. Look at verse 16. It shows us just that. 1 John 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So here it is, plain and simple. This is how we know what love is. Jesus died for us. He, it shows us that love isn't just an emotion. Love isn't a feeling. Love is a person. Love is Jesus. You see, the world didn't really know what love looked like until a little over 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins and rose again. That was the definition of love. He gave himself for us. In our world today, we need to be constantly reminded of what love truly is because our world continues to take that word and water it down 
and water it down. Make it mean less and less. So what does this true love look like? What does it look like when it's in our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus? Well, let's get specific. And the great thing about 1 John, like I said earlier, is that when John writes in this book, there's little room for confusion. Like if you've ever wondered, man, I know I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I want to be his disciple, but I don't know what to do. Well, <laughs> this book of the Bible that we've been walking through, 1 John, uh, has it written plainly for us. Uh, and we see that week after week of this summer. And at the end of the summer, if you look back and say, I don't, still don't know what a disciple is, I think it's because you don't want to know what a disciple is. <laughs> but 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, tells us specifically what this love looks like in our life. And that says this. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? There's John being blunt again. Someone needs to hear this today. If no one else out here, then I need to hear this again today. Because I think love in our world, in our culture, has, we've been lulling each other to sleep when it comes to that word. And so we hear love, and it doesn't mean anything. But as a Christian, we shouldn't be complacent with love. Like when it comes to injustice, we look the other way. When it comes to sin, we look the other way. When it comes to neighbors who radically need the uh, Christ-like love shown to them, we look the other way. Remember that story of the Good Samaritan? The man is dying on the side of the road. He needs help. Well, so often we're the Levite who just walks by. We're the priest who just walks by. They look the other way, and that's what we do. We see somebody in need and look the other way. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should be the first ones in line. But we look the other way. Why is that? Look at the end of verse 17 again. John says, how can the love of God be in that person who would look the other way? That is so convicting to me. What he's saying is, if you are truly a Christian, truly a follower of Jesus, how can you look the other way? Because when love, Christ's love, has dwelt inside of us, that changes how we act. Or at least it should. What a challenge. What a challenge to us today. And finally, the last verse of our passage today, 1 John 3.18. Let's read that one more time. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Oh man, guys, if you, if you don't remember anything else I say today, remember that simple principle. Love others as Jesus loved you. That's what he's saying here in verse 18. Love others as Jesus loved you. That's not just saying it, that's doing it. It's putting it into action. If you know Jesus as your Lord, as your, excuse me, as your Savior, do you also know him as Lord? What, what do you mean, Mitchell? What, what I'm saying is, yes, you may have given him your life, and, be, and he's become your Savior, and you have a relationship with him. But to make Jesus Lord means, is he the master of your life? If he's good enough to help you get to heaven, is he good enough to help change everything about your life? How you live on this earth? I think he is. I'm sure we've all heard that famous question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, I saw this clothing brand recently called HWLF 
They say their, their motto is to answer the question of WWJD. And what, what HWLF stands for is he would love first. And I think that's so true. It's so true. He would love first. You see, just like verse 18 tells us, Jesus set the example for us of how to love and how to love in action by serving others. Now we as a church get to do what he tells us to do. We get to go out and serve others. Think about some of the things that we get to do here even at the Jeanette campus. We get to go out in our community and walk around praying for it. We get to go to places like Father's Heart or Living Hope and serve a meal to those in need. In fact, one of the marks of a disciple at Charter Oak Church is to be humble servants. And the way we describe what it is to be a humble servant is this. We want to be people who leverage our call and our spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ. We aim for total participation. What does it mean to be a humble servant? Simply is love in action. Serving is putting Christ's love in action. Remember we just said a few minutes ago that the world had no idea what love looked like until Jesus came. But now we do. We do know what love is supposed to look like because Jesus showed it to us. We have that, whatever you want to call it, the special recipe, the, the hidden key, the secret code, whatever you want to call it, we have it because Jesus showed it to us. And that means that we can also go out and show the world this love. To love others is simply to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. I know it sounds so simple, but it's often harder to put into action. But that's really what it is. To love like Jesus is to serve like Jesus, to be his hands and feet. So before you go home today, you might just need to ask yourself, where am I getting my concept of love? Ask yourself that. Because if it's from the world, if it's from movies and music and TV shows, I'm sorry to say that that definition of love is simply imperfect. But really, if we look at Jesus, we see perfect love. In fact, the word that John uses in these verses today, throughout this passage that we read, is the Greek word agape. Every time he uses the word love, it's that Greek word agape. You can write that in the margin if you're taking notes. Agape is exactly what we've been talking about. It's love in action. You see, in our world, we have one word to define love, so it's easy to get watered down. The Greeks had a number of words. I won't go into all of them today, but there was one uh, that was talking about phileo. It was, that's brotherly love. But this agape love was when somebody would put that love in action. And that's what love is. It's an action. Love isn't a construct of Hollywood. Love isn't a passing feeling. Love is action. Love is Jesus. Jesus showed us what love looks like, didn't he? Remember the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We often hear this chapter when we talk about love in the Bible. This tells us more about that agape love. Some of the things that this passage of scripture tells us from 1 Corinthians 13 is that love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Those are action words. Protects, trust, hopes, perseveres. Love 
is action. You know, many, some of you guys might know the, the old uh, hymn. It was, uh, they will know we are Christians by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. You know, I had it written down here to just read some of this, but last time I was here, uh, I sang that little stanza of this little light of mine, and a couple of you people told uh, Pastor Ben that that was like your favorite part, so I guess I gotta sing this, this, this part of the song, they will know we are Christians by our love. So if you know the song, sing it along with me. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity may one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yeah, they'll know we are Christians by our love. You know, I've been guilty of wanting to be known by other things. In the past, I've wanted to be known as the Pittsburgh Steelers' biggest fan or the Pittsburgh Penguins' biggest fan. Or I wanted to be known as the fun guy who people want to hang around. I've also wanted to be known as an awesome dad or a great husband. And those things are all fine and good. And I still want to be known by those things. Some of those things are even admirable. But the moment that I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I was called to a higher standard. Love as Jesus loved. That's the standard. As a follower of Jesus, the first and most important thing that you will be known by, not can be known by, will be known by, is your love. And if you're not showing it, then what is that telling the world? Friends, when they look at you, what do they see? Do they see someone who truly loves others? Not just in word, but in action. Do they know you're a Christian by your love? At the beginning of the message, I said, we all have this decision to make today. And here it is. It's time to make that decision within your heart. And it's pretty straightforward. Remember, no, no shades of gray. It's black and white. Love or hate. Cain's way or Abel's way. The Good Samaritan's way or the Levite's way. The Jesus way or the world's way. Church, I hope it can be said today that we are a body of believers that are united in love. What does that song say? We pray that our unity may one day be restored and, they, and that they know we are Christians by our love. Make us one, Lord, today. That's my prayer. Make us one. Let's be united as a Jeanette campus of Charter Oak Church, united in our love for God, our love for our community, the city of Jeanette, and are united in our love for the world. After all, how will they know we are Christians? By our love. Love, love others as Jesus loved you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for, once again, this opportunity to just be here together, to come together as, as a body of believers and worship you and to remember that 
all we want and all we need is found in you and that you are worthy of our praise. Lord, we thank you for these songs that we've already sang today that remind us of who you are. And Lord, I ask that as we go from this place, that if we remember nothing else that was talked about today, we remember the simple truth to love others the way that you loved us. How did you love us? You gave yourself for us. Lord, make it plain today how we can show love in our world. It may be different for each individual in this room, but put something on each individual's heart that they can put in action even today or sometime this week to show the world that love, the love that you have shown us. Because after all, how can they know we are Christians? By our love, Lord. Let us go from this place showing the love that only we can show because we are the ones who have experienced it firsthand and show the world that you are love and that we love you and want to be like you. Lord, I ask this for each and every person here and bless the rest of the message, uh, excuse me, bless the rest of the service and the worship that is to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.